Am I losing you? No. Okay. No, I mean, we are in the middle of a blizzard. Oh, you're in the middle of a blizzard? Yeah. As we record this... We're in the middle of a windstorm. We're not a storm. It's just high winds. We've been having high winds for days. It's getting ridiculous. Um, there's it's parts of this state that I'm in that have two feet of snow. It's April. Get away from Canada. Yes. Well, let's get this show started. Hey, everyone. I'm John. Oop, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I love stop. it. Stop. Love no, it. stop. All right. <laughs> I can't hear the pre-roll. You, you can't hear the pre-roll? No. All right. Hold on. Let me look at something here. Wow. Uh, hold on. No. How can you not hear the? Okay. Um, so that is good. So let's go into Zoom preferences. <sighs> I bet you this is going to sound a lot better real quick. Oh, hey. Look at you. Jesus. You sounded at first, you sounded like you're recording in a public bathroom stall. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me this before we hit record? I don't know, because it adds for better content. I should have known when you couldn't hear the background music that something was awry, but whatever. Okay, so here Jeez. is the pre-roll. Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. We're almost at the two-year anniversary. Is that correct? Roughly. Yeah, roughly. We're getting pretty close. And we have grown. We've made a lot of improvements. We've gone through great strides. We're, we're always trying to figure out how to make things better. And then here I am trying to produce a podcast that you edit. And all I do is screw stuff up, as you can tell from whatever this is. Yeah. I just am amazed. We still don't know who we are. <laughs> by name. Uh, I think there's a, yeah, no, no, we got it right this time. Didn't we? I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know that, that we officially announced ourselves. Oh, I mean, but do we have to, because we still have the intro that does it for us. Cause we went back to the old intro because we keep saying that we need to redo it and we tweak it and it doesn't work. So we, we're just back to the original. I don't know. Uh, let's take a listen and figure out if we get introduced or not. You're listening to Eyes Forward March, a podcast geared towards building the core of the non-commissioned officers. Heat up your MRE, crack open a cold rippet, and join your platoon daddies, Sergeant Bacon and Sergeant Seaguard as they continue to build networking skills, have some laughs, uplift morale, and talk about daily issues soldiers face. Let's begin. Well, I think that answers that question. I mean, we introduced ourselves. I am Sergeant Seagar, and you, of course, are... Sergeant Bacon. Yeah, the, of course. The, the face of the place, Platoon Daddy Bacon. Um, platoon Daddy. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, just moving right along and hustling, bustling, all that good stuff. Um, should we let one of the other podcasts on the CBC network, uh, tell us a little bit about themselves? Only if they like true crime. Well, you're in luck. This is your week. Yes. Do you like true crime? Oh my God, Kat, you can't just ask people if they like murder. I'm curious. Well, curiosity killed the cat. Uh. Does that make you curiosity? No, I'm Logan. And I'm Kat. 
And we're the hosts of the true crime comedy podcast, Spoiler They Die. One of us tells a story about a serial killer, a survivor, or basically anything morbid and scary. Also, we're Canadian, in case that matters to anyone. I don't think people listen to podcasts based on people being Canadian or not. People in our Discord server seem to care. Oh, sorry about that, eh? But thanks for listening to us panhandle. I'm Logan, and I approve this message. Yep, check them out. Spoiler, they die. They've had some pretty interesting stuff lately. Yeah, yeah, it's been a little little interesting. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to spoil some true crime. Go ahead and check it out. It's not called spoil, I listen. <laughs> oh, but you do. I know you do. I Oh, yeah. I think yeah. they're probably their number one fan. Eh, probably pretty close. I might spoiler they die under britches. Do you do you have the uh, STD panties? I do. Nice. I bought it in a boy short. <laughs> it's still bunches though. It's weird. Did you have any time to look up some of that good old history? Yeah, I was feverishly uh, writing down notes as I was <laughs> um, at the the kitchen island there. But uh, I got some stuff. All right. Well, uh, you know. It's time for military history. Whoops. All right. May 8th through May 14th, 2022. Starting in May 8th of 1942, the Battle of the Coral Sea began, in which Japan would suffer its first defeat of the war. The battle fought off of New Guinea marked the first time in history that a Two opposing naval forces fought by only using aircraft without the opposing ships ever sighting each other. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty crazy. May 8th of 1844, President Harry S. Truman was born. He was our 33rd president, and he was born in Lamar, Missouri. He became president upon the death of uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt. Two weeks into office... He was informed of uh, uh, the top secret, at that time, top secret atomic bomb project. Um, So in the War of Japan, uh, an Allied invasion was being planned in which they estimated a minimum cost of 250,000 American lives. Wow. So, yeah. So Truman, looking at that, he says no. He authorized the dropping of the... uh, the bomb over Hiroshima on August 6, 1945. Was it Hiroshima or Her- was it Her- Hiroshima? I don't know how you say it. Then on August 9th, 1945, he dropped the second bomb over Nagasaki. Basically, the next day, Japan sued for peace. <laughs> you have to sue to get peace in war. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Makes sense. Uh, so he served until uh, 19... 19- 53 as the president, and he was one of the nine presidents who never attended college. Oh, weird. You, I thought you, like, in order to be president, you had to have a college background. Or is I don't that think something? So. No? No. Yeah. But he was, he was nicknamed Give Him Hell Harry. What a nickname. Yeah. Well, he had, like, he was kind of a, well, he was kind of like us, just kind of a blue collar guy that really didn't take a lot of shit from people. And so then he would just, like, they, just go after it, and they just call him Give Him Hell Harry. There you go. Give Him Hell, Harry. May 10th, 1869. This isn't really a military thing, but it's cool. 
Newly constructed tracks of the Union Pacific and the Central Pacific Railways were first Railways? linked. Railways. Railways. Yes, were first linked at Promontory Point, Utah. Hell yeah, Utah. A golden spike was driven by Leland Stanford, president of the Central Pacific, to celebrate the linkage. It is reported that he missed the spike on his first swing, <laughs> eliciting laughter from the workers who had swung thousands of times at spikes. Yeah, and probably missed several hundred. Maybe right away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody's a professional hammer swinger on day one. John Henry. Yeah, all right. Maybe maybe one. May 11th, 1862. To prevent its capture by Union forces advancing in Virginia, the Confederate ironclad ship, the Merrimack, was destroyed by the Confederate Navy. In March, the Merrimack had fought against the Union ironclad ship, the Monitor, and they fought to a draw. Naval warfare at that point was changed forever, making wooden ships obsolete. Oh yeah, I would not I would not want to be on a wooden ship. But that was one of my favorite battles of the Civil War to learn and study about growing up was the the Battle of the Monitor and the Merrimack. Then May eleventh, nineteen sixty nine, during the Vietnam War, the Battle of Hamburger Hill began. While attempting to seize the Dong App <laughs> by a mountain, U.S. troops repeatedly scaled the hill over a 10-day hand-to-hand combat battle. After finally securing the objective, American military staff decided to abandon the position, which the North Vietnamese retook shortly thereafter. The battle highlighted the futility of the American strategy. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, I'll never forget that. <clears throat> when they seized the dong. <laughs> I tried. Oh, we are children here. <clears throat> All right, moving along. Yep. <laughs> Getting away from the dong. May, May 13th, 1846, at the request of President James K. Polk, Congress declared war on Mexico. The controversial struggle eventually cost the lives of 11,300 U.S. soldiers and resulted in the annexation of lands that became Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, California, Utah, and Colorado. The war ended in 1848 with the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. And finally, on May 14, 1804, Lewis and Clark departed St. Louis on their expedition to explore the Northwest. They arrived at the Pacific coast of Oregon in November of 1805 and returned to St. Louis in September of 1806, completing a journey of about 6,000 miles. And 6,000 miles back then was a hell of a lot worse to travel than it is now. It was all on foot. Right, yeah. I mean, foot or wagon, horseback. Pretty much did it all on foot. They didn't have horses. Oh, Yeah. why not? It costs money, man. You should, if you're interested, um, Stephen Ambrose wrote a book called Undaunted Courage. Yeah, send me a link to that. We'll put it in the show notes. So if anybody or any of our listeners want to check it out, it'll be there in the show notes. You got it, dude. That was military history. 
I really need to figure out what that music is for the intro so I can put it in the outro as well. I don't know if anybody has noticed that, but there's music in the intro to military history, but not in the outro. You can't just Google like colonial piper music or something. Uh, you got to be very careful when it comes to music. You got to make sure that it is uh, fully open. It's free. You don't have to worry about licenses or anything like that. You, you got to be kind of careful. Uh, that's one of the things, that's one of the hard lessons I think I learned pretty early in this journey. Uh, speaking of journeys, uh, I figured because we were struggling for a topic of this episode, I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about the different programs uh, or career paths that are available. Yeah, at least for the National Guard. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, as a soldier, obviously, you join the Guard, you're young, you're probably like 17, 18 years old, typically, although I have known a few people that have gotten in a little bit later in their life, you know, mid to uh, late 20s. I actually know a 31-year-old that decided, you know what, I want to serve the country. So obviously, when you have that longer age or that higher age, more wisdom, more life lessons, you know a little bit more, It's you're kind of resourceful. But for the younger soldiers that are getting in, uh, you know, you, you enlist into the military. You're not exactly sure, like, what are the jobs that I can do? You talk to the recruiter. You settle upon being a mechanic or uh, an engineer or whatever. You go to basic training. You go to AIT. You graduate. You come back. Um, I don't know if your state does it, but ours does a patching ceremony where you get introduced to your MSC or your brigade, if you want to call it that. And that is what I, I well, that's what we call M-Day or traditional guard soldier, where you're supposed to do the one weekend a month and your annual training. Your two weeks a year. Yeah. Although we've, we've talked about that before where we, right. we want to get away from one month a week or one weekend a month, two weeks a year, because that's not <laughs> one month a weekend. Yeah. One month that's a weekend. Been my, that's been my drills the last three months. <laughs> one month <laughs> a weekend. Oh, there's too much truth in that because we shove so much shit into our one weekend a month. Uh, but there are other job opportunities out there. The first one that I discovered going through the ranks was ADOS, which is uh, additional duty support. And it's basically temporary active duty orders, right? So you you get all the benefits of being active duty, but it's only temporary to accomplish a mission how does that differ from uh it used to be adsw right active yep, duty it, special it, work yep it's the same thing it, it's you, you know how the military is we change sure. acronyms every two or three years just to keep the russians at bay um and that's all that's a great thing i used to do that a lot where i would jump onto ados orders for a year maybe two if i was lucky then I would go work in the civilian world for a year or two, and then I would jump back to ADOS. And it was a really great balance because I could be part of the civilian world, yet be part of the military world and kind of, I don't know, I guess for lack of better terms, ride the emotional roller coaster. Uh, you know, because sometimes the civilian world is awesome and the army sucks, and sometimes it's the other way around. Then there's the technician program, which I know very little bit about about i know you're more familiar with it than i am yeah uh so basically the technician program you are a federal employee that works for the state mm -hmm. so for myself i'm title 32 
So that means, so I'm dual status. So that my job is based on me being in the military. Okay. They've changed that a little bit um, for some PFO, so pay and finance. They they are Title Five, so they can get out of the military, keep their job, and you can apply for that job off the street. Yeah, and I've heard about this Title Five. Um, I I think there are they they're kind of unicorns. I guess at least where I'm from, they're unicorn jobs. There's not a whole lot of them available. Um, kinda. Like I said, they're more for like your warehouse guys, your paying finance guys, your uh, like your educational office people, but like your actual maintenance technicians like myself, we're still Title 32. Well, and this is probably going to sound bad, but I mean, when you're talking about like your warehouse people, your paying finance people, those are people who probably started off as Title 32 and they've gained so much knowledge and experience that it's kind of hard when you have to do turnover. So maybe they're like, well, you know, here's a way to keep you around a little bit longer, or is that completely wrong? It's not completely wrong, but it's um, more that they were evaluating those positions and felt that maybe a civilian candidate maybe would be better qualified than a military candidate. Oh, okay. That, That would make sense. Right. But I mean, just so that means that uh, you would basically be able to bring in a civilian who has never served for the military or served in the military. They just have an expertise that the military Correct. could use. Okay. Now they could. So with USA jobs, which is what we have to use to apply. Yep. They can use their preference points, their military preference points based off like if they have a disability, prior service, that kind of stuff. Sure. And then. During the selection, if you have those points, you know, you, you would be selected over someone who didn't. Mm, yep, yep. Whereas with Title 32, that's off the board. Right, because everybody's in. Right. Yeah, you, you have to be an active member of yes. the guard, I guess. Right. And within that, right, so I'm a permanent technician. Now we have temporaries and we have indefinites would be the only other two subcategories of that. Okay. Like an indefinite is somebody that's there for, we don't know how long they are. And then temporary is kind of like, okay, Seagar went on uh, deployment. We need someone to fill in for him temporarily. And then when Seagar comes back, then you go away. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, it's actually what they use a lot of ADOS for is backfills for AGRs. Right. Or exactly. active guard reserve, which is the same thing as basically being active duty for for the Marines or the Army or whoever. Yeah. And that's a Title 10 funding, right? Nope. That's still Title 32 because you're part of the state. So the only time you're going to see Title 10 really in the guard that I'm aware of, and I am not the keeper of all knowledge. In fact, a lot of the things that come out of my mouth are I perceive to be correct. If you're listening and I'm wrong, please shoot us an email, leave it in a comment somewhere. Uh, let us know. But I've always perceived that if it's Title 10 money, it's coming from the federal wallet. So those are people like your counter drug, maybe some SC, uh, ST, what is it, SCTC, um, whatever it is. But uh, basically, if it's Title 10, it's being paid out of the federal pocket. If it's Title 32, it's being paid out of the state pocket. Sure. Now, you can be a Title 10 AGR, though. My brother was doing that for a while. Um, yeah, and I think for... The only time that I personally have seen that is if you're 
you're up there in the ranks, you know, like a, maybe an E8, definitely an E9, um, your full bird kernels and above when they're actually being employed by NGB. Hmm. Yep. And that's what he was doing. He was working directly for NGB. Yep. Yep. So if you're working for NGB, um, making trips all the time to DC and stuff like that, then yeah, you could be on Title 10 orders. It's just really where's the money coming from? Well, it's coming from us taxpayers. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm paying myself at this point. You're going to be a rich man off Uh of your money. So that really does bring us to the the final one that I can think of. And let me know if you can think of another one. But that is for the guard is uh, the AGRs, which is the active guard reserve. Um, And it's like I said before, it's the same thing as being active duty for the, the army. You work. 24-7, 24-7, you're basically salary, you know, you're on that active duty pay scale, and you're the small amount of the force that basically keeps the organization running between the drill weekends and the annual trainings, and we support yeah. the soldiers. All right. the things that happen, you know, you change, you get married, you change your name, uh, you, you move, you need an address change. You need documents because you want to put in a packet for a job or you want to get a a VA home loan or whatever the case or scenario may be, that's the AGR program. And that's still paid for the most part, I would say, Title 32. Right. You need new boots or something like that, call your supply, that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Your full-time representative. Yep. The only other one I can think of would be a civilian contractor. Oh, yeah. So that is... That okay, yeah, that we do have those too. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if you can. Can you be a civilian tra- uh, a civilian contractor while you're still serving in the military? Well, I think if you're Guard and Reserve, you could. Yeah, because uh, my my one of my old first sergeants was a civilian contractor. Yep, we actually have a guy. He runs like a mobile convoy trainer thing, and he's a civilian contractor that's still M Day. Interesting. Yep. Have you ever seen a, a civilian contractor who went, because I know last time I was overseas was, was many, many years ago. We, there was a ton of civilian contractors in and around the area. Have you ever seen somebody that in the guard that like joined one of those um, companies and had to go overseas for like a year stint or something like that as a civilian? Like KBR or something? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did, uh, the Dapple protest with a guy that was uh he was a MRAP mechanic and he would he would go to Afghanistan for 10 11 months and uh then he'd come home do go make up his drill dates for a month and then go back he was making a lot of money that's and that is cool too because uh when you have a command team that's willing to work with your M day soldiers and be like oh yeah I get it you know you've got this going on you've got that going on um especially in the world of uh internships and um, we actually had one uh, soldier who submitted an application as a, uh, what do they call him, a green hand or a greenhorn or something like that. So he applied to be on a fishing boat for that show Deadliest Catch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so uh, up in Alaska doing crab fishing, and he got accepted, and he came into the command and said, this is what I, I want to do this. And so our command was at first they were kind of hesitant. And then like everybody around that knew the story was like, what the hell? This is an opportunity of a lifetime. Let's throw him into the ING for a year 
and let them go fish. <laughs> you know? Do you have any twos? <laughs> go fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so the command team was like, yeah, no, actually, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Not, It's not like you're just like, the guard sucks. This soldier just had an opportunity of a lifetime. And we're like, hey, run out there. See, see what it turns out to be. And a year later, come back. If something else happens, let us know. We'll figure something out. Yeah, that's easy enough to do. Oh, it's super easy. I, I've got a soldier who uh, is going to do an internship out of state, and he's only got two years in the guard, year and a half, two years. Wants to uh, go to a different state, not too far away, uh, for schooling, and was looking at doing a transfer. And I'm like, "If are you going to re-enlist? And his answer was very, very quickly, no, I'm just going to serve my term and go. I'm like, all right, well, then it's not worth ISTing let's figure out a way so that you can go to school, maybe come back once a quarter and make up those drills so that you're good. You still get a good year and yet you get to progress your civilian hopes and dreams. That's interesting. I guess I would, I would have thought maybe you would have encouraged them to do an IST while they're at school. I've done this before with soldiers okay. and then, Hey, you know what? Maybe you find something you really like. Maybe this particular unit's not what's for you but the one there maybe is for you sure try it out yeah and, and, and it, there's nothing wrong with that that idea it's a pain in the ass on your end to do the transfer and everything and find them a slot and all this other jazz but well, well here okay but think of it this way if the soldiers only got let's say a year and a half left till their ets by the time you talk to the commander the commander's like okay i get it and then you're the soldier gets down there they're trying to find a home, you know, and you're doing all the paperwork. By the time you get the IST done, unless by miracle, both states are Johnny on it, they've got six months left of their ETS. So now what it boils down to is who's going to accept the loss of a soldier because they don't extend. Because remember, everything's a numbers game. You're right. No, I would sense. rather keep the soldier because they're an awesome soldier. Let them work through the college, work with them, and you know what? Maybe they say, hey, I want to re-enlist, but they're going to stay in that state. Okay, let me re-enlist you so I get the credit, and then let me transfer you because now they're going to get somebody that they're going to have for three years, five years, six years, whatever it is. Let's say let's say I transfer down. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to get out of the military, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I meet you at college, let's say. And we, you're like, hey, you know, we have drill this weekend or whatever. And I'm like, oh, hey, I have drill but I don't want to drive all the way back home nine hours or whatever. Is it possible for me to like, Hey, can I talk to your commander or whoever and drill with you guys? You guys work it out, submit that I was, that I was uh, present for duty, submit it back to my state and almost like a split train. Absolutely. That can happen. We, we had a soldier who uh, during deployment met their significant other overseas and that significant other was active duty came back home and then the significant other had to move halfway across the country because that's where that soldier was stationed. Well, when you're talking 2,200 miles, they're not coming back every quarter to make up drills. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, we definitely can work between commands to be like, Hey, this is our soldier. Shoot me an email. Say this soldier was present for duty. Please pay. 
there's all sorts of little drug deals that you can do to to help the soldier. They go back to the drug deals. Uh, as long as they're easy ones, you can maintain them. If they get too difficult, then what the hell ever. Here's my thing, though, is that if you never know what's going to happen, and you're looking at time, too. If you have four years left in your contract and you're going to move across the country and there's a good chance that you're going to stay there, well, then, yeah, let's do the IST. But if you've got a year and a half left and right now you're not intending on re-enlisting, you're not intending on staying in, well, then really all you're doing at that point is passing a problem on to somebody else. Sure. So let me work with you as a soldier. Let's say I go, because I know how it works as a technician, and I get tired of it, whatever, I move on. I just resign from the tech force, and I continue drilling M-Day. What if I'm AGR, and I'm like, you know what? Or let's let's just do something I, I know for sure happened. Guy got a DWI, DUI, OWI, whatever you call it in your state. He was forced to resign from from AGR. Okay, and this is the same thing with ADOS as well. Yep. So it's kind of the same deal. But he was able to continue drilling M day, mm-hmm. right? But do they have to find him? A, is it his responsibility, or how does that piece work? Whether you're on ADOS, I mean, if like for instance, you're on ADOS and. Each there's actually a regulation on what you have to meet for ADOS. And a lot of people don't know this. If you're on ADOS orders and you get pregnant, you're done. Uh, with ADOS, though, it's easy. You get separated from your ADOS orders. You just go back to the unit you came from. And theoretically, you're still drilling with that unit because it's additional work. But when you're AGR, that's a whole different program because, or a whole different scenario, I guess, because you belong to whatever organization you work with. And for whatever reason you decide to, well, if you get fired, I've seen it where you just basically get moved out of the AGR position and you get put into an M-Day position. And now you have to basically be a traditional soldier. And it's dumb. Oh, wow. Because yesterday... You were the full-time person with all these roles and responsibilities and access to everything. And for you to just walk in the next drill as a traditional soldier and not have the mentality of, well, I know how to do all this and I have access to all this. You're no longer an active person or an active soldier. We've removed all your access. Right. I've seen that because you got fired. Now, if you resign, and resignation to me, if you say I'm I am a I'm an active duty, I'm an active I'm an AGR and I resign. I as 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 an AGR soldier, you are given special trust. You are actually supposed to be mentally and physically tougher than every single M Day soldier because you have been put in the position to be able to deal with every situation in every environment and, and take care of people. And if you sit there and say, I'm not getting my way, and you just resign, well, I mean, I guess if there's an open position in the company, the easy button is is to do just that, move them into an M-Day position within that organization. I don't think that's the way it should be. No, I agree with you because I feel like if you leave that unit or that AGR position, you need to leave that unit because people are going to be coming to you for that for that access, for that information. Hey, Sergeant Seagart, can you 
pull up my ERB so I can validate it. And it's like, I don't have access to that anymore. Well, it's not even that. I mean, yes, it's that. But at the same time is soldiers see what's going on. They might not know the whole story, but so if you leave your position as an AGR and go back into the ranks of the M day, you're, you have lost their respect. Right. And, and to be honest with you, if you were my coworker and you resigned from the AGR program and you were now put into the M day ranks of this organization that I am in, you can go out there and step on pedals and, and check tire pressure. You are not doing anything that you used to do. You're not getting anywhere near it. Right. Because you have now lost my trust. You have, you have proven to me that you are not mentally or physically capable, capable of performing a job with the utmost importance in the organization. Right. Well, see what they did with the, the guy that I'm talking about. As they moved him out of the company, they moved him up to brigade staff, and he didn't he didn't drill right. He didn't drill with us. Right. He was still an AGR while he was being processed, and then once that happened, they kind of put him on ADOS to take care of him until he found a new gig. He never drilled with us. Don't get me wrong. There are reasons to resign. For instance, hey, what the military needs from me right now. I can't provide because I have family or personal issues that require my attention. And so it's in my best interest to go take care of my family. I get that. No problems or quarrels there. But there's other situations. I'm talking about the situations where it's just. They're just being a little bitches. Yeah, you're a piece of shit. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. And and here's my thing is if if it were me, the first, if you resigned because you just couldn't hack it and you're like oh, i'm gonna go back to this company um uh and i'm just gonna be a truck driver and then you're gonna come in and you're gonna be like well i'll just help with this i'll help with that like i'll help with all the responsibilities and duties i used to have no and the minute that i hear the words come out of your mouth that well when i was here doing that it was so much better i will bury your ass yeah by all means right hey i heard new africa uh, I heard another new acronym last week at drill. It was uh, Fujison. Fujison? Fujison. Fuck, what the fuck is Fujison? Future Joint Assistance Service Online Network. That's probably why none of my computers work for shit. Right. Because it's all about, like, I, I don't need to work in the future. And I'm tired of the military coming up with these future terms. Let's, let's worry about working in the present. Right. Yeah, they have they had uh, command post of the future, CPOF. Mm-hmm. And then with that, the six, the S six was talking about Fujisan. And I was like, When, when is this? I like, raised my to hand happen? like a like a nerd, and I'm like, What does that mean? Yeah, so many acronyms. It's like it's like uh, it's like Shabam. They have a new acronym out, Shabam. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it stands for. I just saw it the other day. They need to quit with these acronyms. Worry about making shit work now. Not making shit work in the future. Or you know what it is? It's probably a program designed to come up with great ideas with horrible execution. (laughs) Emotional damage. 
Looks like that's another mission completed. A 30-mile check ride in the bag. Hit us up, podcastefm at gmail.com. Or follow Podcast EFM on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Sergeant Bacon. And I'm Sergeant Seagar. As always, eyes forward. March. Time for some legal shit. Irrelevant. <laughs> Time for the irrelevant shit. <laughs> Tax title license not included. Void where prohibited. <laughs> Five cent can return to Iowa, Michigan, and New Hampshire. And Hawaii if you can get there without a passport. Hey, who the fuck's gonna who the fuck's gonna recycle their cans in Hawaii? <laughs> hey, all I have to do is go to Hawaii to get my nickel. For a nickel. One nickel per can. I'm fucking going over there with a shit ton. I'm looking at it. Oh, hey, I got an empty rippet here that's got it on there. So Oregon and looks like maybe Michigan, you get 10 cents per can. Right. In Maine, Vermont, Massachusetts, New York, Hawaii, Iowa, Connecticut, you get a nickel. Recycling sucks. Whenever I go down to Iowa for anything, I always forget about that. Nobody does. The only people that are recycling pop cans now are the homeless. They're trying to seize the dong.